Mission Control, we are go for spitballing. Three, two, one, here we go. Welcome to the Spitballing with Ecom Elite Podcast. Spending time dropping knowledge from luxury locations all around the world. It's seven-figure entrepreneurs, Todd Snively and Chris Keith, with the inside scoop on how to really obtain freedom through e-commerce. Get ready to learn how to make money online with your hosts, Todd and Chris. So, let's get started. Hello again, everybody. It's Chris of Todd and Chris. An episode for me, episode two. I think we're probably seven or eight episodes deep. So for those that came back after my first attempt at laying down some information in my podcast, those that came back, thank you very much. That's great news. Uh, I didn't scare you off too badly, so that's awesome. So I want to just continue with my story, actually, uh, on on wh- how I ended up where I am today. I, I left off the story of working for that company in New Hampshire and and um, my background not being business, what was I going to do next? I worked for that company for probably, like I, like I said, I think I recall three or four years or so. I could pull up my resume. It doesn't matter. But did some really fun things with those guys. That company was uh, eventually sold my help over in Asia and a number of different things, that the positioning that they were doing, the owners were doing, positioned that company to be sold for $20 bucks. So they started in their garage, sold that thing for $20 million. Really fascinating to watch that. And motivational for me to say, okay, that can be done. In a matter of, I think that that company was around for about 10 years. They start in a garage, they build it to 20 million, they sell it. That's phenomenal. Love that story. Interesting times though. That company was acquired by uh, by a large, larger business. I think it was around 350 million or so at the time. That was my first experience of seeing, quote unquote, real business people. And I say real business people because all of these were kind of highfalutin MBA folks. They had a board of directors. They had a CEO and a COO and a CMO and a CTO, a bunch of C-level. All of those positions were filled. And they had senior vice presidents and vice presidents. The company that I worked for was pretty much, let's figure some stuff out and build the company. And hopefully we can, we can uh, make, a cool, make a cool product, make it awesome, uh, supply jobs for people in the North Country of New Hampshire. And that'll be awesome. That really was the intention of the leadership for the business that I worked for. The company that acquired them and bought them uh, was a big established company with meetings and all this kind of stuff. And, and uh, meetings, meetings about meetings and all those kind of cliched kind of business jokes. And I didn't, I understood it. I, I, you know, I saw, you know, funny business cartoons and I got that. Oh, that, that would be a bummer to waste your time doing those kind of things. But not until I really experienced once that company was bought. I worked with them and for them for a better part of six months. And I quickly realized, holy smokes, this is really kind of the corporate world. I'm glad that I worked for a smaller company because when right out of the gates, we just want to see what you're made out of right out of the gates. When that company was bought, we're going to work on the weekend and we're going to, we got to figure out some, we got to work on some numbers and we got to do some. And I thought, what on earth? Are we taking our free? Things were going great. The company went from zero to 20 million. We were doing fantastic. We did, it, we did it with a great lifestyle. I realized a bunch of different things. I realized first, a lot of people in those kind of roles and those kind of businesses and those jobs were doing things to sort of justify their existence. I thought that is crazy. doesn't make any sense to me. I also realized that Things can be so much more efficient if you work on being efficient. 
If you're working on covering your butt and working on politics and justifying yourself and making a team around you and, and team, I, not team building, but more empire building. I want to I want to be the person with a team behind me. and I want to take over that department and I want to be that kind of person. I want to be running the show in the future. Oh, my goodness. Those are all things that were so foreign to me. Now, for those in the corporate world, I apologize. I'm painting with a very broad brush. I understand that's not everywhere. That's not every company. I totally get that. I, I really do. But generally speaking, there's a reason why Dilbert, the comic strip, was, is, was so darn popular. There's a reason why that movie Office Space is so funny and hits on point. Because it transcends most companies and most businesses. So after about six months or so with that new buyout of that company, I said, okay, I realize that I probably need to be doing something else. And this was probably one of my bigger mistakes and regrets in my life. I don't have a lot of regrets. I don't like to live with regrets, but hindsight being what it is, it wasn't very smart. I left that job um, to pursue other opportunities. I could see a bust was coming um, in a boom and a bust cycle. And I wasn't quite clear on just how much of a bust it was going to be. Uh, my time over in Southeast Asia, uh, when I was in Taiwan, um, late 98-99, mid-99, there was TSMC was the company, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company. They built a, at the time, was a billion, billion and a half dollar fab, semiconductor fab, uh, fabrication plant. And they were about halfway into building it, and then they just stopped. And that blew my mind. And I didn't know how much of a harbinger of doom that was actually going to be. Um, that suggested a massive downturn in the technology market. And therefore, since technology really was driving the global economy significantly at the time, it was going to lead to a bit of a downturn that was significant. Well, um, I was a dum-dum, and I left that job, and I said, all right, I used to do this in college, and I partnered up with a college buddy of mine to go into the contracting business. I said, that'd be fantastic. I know how to do it. I know how to do it well. I'm a smart guy. I went over to Asia, for God's sakes. I know how to do, I know how to do business. I'm a, I'm a business doer. Well, uh, yeah, that turned out not great. One the downturn in the economy was significant at the time. It was it was kind of the dot com, the first dot com bubble, dot com burst, back when when a, a stock called Qualcomm could go from zero dollars to selling for hundreds and hundreds of dollars per share, and then overnight have it go back to zero again. Not awesome. So it was a dot com crash. Realist. I, I bought. I bought. I moved my family. I moved down to the southern part of the state to be a little bit more opportunity down there and more people and more business. And I bought right at the very peak of the real estate um, business, a real estate market in the U.S., uh, one, of, one of the peaks in the early 2000s. Terrible, terrible, terrible timing. And I'll discuss those lessons learned and what I learned, why, it, why I failed miserably in that business. And it was really not awesome. And it was quite heart-wrenching, actually. And I, I uh, shouldn't have done that. Um, but it's always funny with things like that, isn't it? With lessons in life, I mean... People go, oh, would you, would you have done it again? Do you regret that? The odd part is I can say that now that, no, I'd not want to experience that pain. But going through that was exactly what led me to where I am today. That was one step, one brick in the wall to form that wall building foundation to get me where I am today, to, to achieve the level of success I've had today came from and is a function of 
that and those failures. So no, I wouldn't change that. I would not like to go through that. I wouldn't wish that on somebody. But that's exactly why I'm where I am today, because I went through that process. So I, I did the paint contracting again. The diff big differences were, I'll share a little bit, the big differences were that I was no longer, longer a college kid. I needed more when it came to mortgage and taxes and when it came to another mouth to feed because my wife and I just had a son uh, in, two, in 2000. So I had another mouth to feed, as they say, and daycare and, and everything that comes along with raising a child. Expenses increased exponentially. And when you're doing things with professionals, not college kids who are willing to work basically for beer money, you had professionals that you had to hire in your business, quote unquote professionals, year round people, year round painting contractors. These guys and gals were expensive. They cost more money and a whole bunch of other things that went along with that. Ridiculous. Big failure. Not happy with that. But I continue with my career afterwards, and I'll go into detail again later on. But point of that story was I continued afterwards with that, that crash and burn failure uh, back into a sales type role because I realized I wanted a, if I was going to do a job, lick, lick my wounds from the, the, the first foray, not really good foray at all in the business. I'm going to lick my wounds, pick myself up and work for somebody. I want to work in the most entrepreneurial job that I could. And sales was about as entrepreneurial as a job as you can get. If I'm more efficient, I could make a little bit more money. Yeah, I knew that I, I wouldn't be able to double my income, double my salary, of course. But I knew that, well, if I could figure out a way to call leads faster, if I could find out a way to acquire leads faster, acquire better leads, that's going to lead to more sales and more commission and more income for me. So that made sense to be an entrepreneurial type role. So I worked for a couple different companies in, in, um, in a sales role. The last step uh, that I left, last business, last step of my story, right before I left to become an entre entrepreneur, really, that I had that breakthrough moment. Um, I worked for a company where I, I no longer, I, I learned that I no longer wanted to just purely do sales. And I reflect back on my, if you recall the story of that company that, that bought out that small manufacturer in New Hampshire, and I saw those executives and saw, well, wait a minute, those guys are making some significant money. Those men and women were earning a lot and they weren't quite working so hard. They were kind of what I like to call playing the game. They were playing the corporate game. And I figured, well, I don't have the quote unquote business smarts. I didn't have the MBA. I didn't have an accounting degree. I didn't have a business administration degree, but I'd been around long enough. At the time I was in my mid, late, mid thirties when I started kind of that climb, I said, let me start this whole corporate ladder climbing thing. I'm at, I'm at a well-established company now. Um, let me, let me sort of figure this stuff out. And that's what I did. And I played the game and I, I started with this manufacturer in Ohio and I worked remotely. I worked for New Hampshire still. I didn't move my family, but I worked for that company in Ohio. Really cool company, really intellectually stimulating in that I could do, I, I went to some really amazing businesses, um, providing uh, help for them it was capital equipment. It was a uh, equipment that that uh, cleaned other equipment, um, anything from food processing to manufacturing to um, metal manufacturing to aircraft. I mean, uh, any pretty much any business that manufactures stuff that needs to keep stuff clean, we would help. It was really cool. But I started out just as a Northeast rep for those guys. I sold in my little territory of the Northeast New England, basically uh, Connecticut up to Maine, and that's what I did. And I worked my way up through the ranks all the way up to the uh, a director. And then I was kind of next in line. Next logical step was going to be a vice president position. And I had the 
tiger by the tail. I had a really great salary. I had a six-figure salary. I had a company car. We did corporate travel. Every year we would go somewhere fun. I went to the Ritz-Carlton in Jamaica. I think it was bought by Wyndham recently, but at the time it was the Ritz-Carlton in Jamaica. We stayed at some phenomenal properties, uh, some really high-end uh, properties in, in Bermuda. Um, the uh, Palm Springs, an unbelievable resort out there in Palm Springs. It was wonderful. And I didn't have to work that hard. Um, I didn't have to grind it out uh, as a sales guy. I mean, I really had... I had everything. I mean, it was a really fantastic place to be. But here's where it all kind of came to a head for me. I would look around the room, and boy, I, I may, I've got to be careful. I don't want to make too many disparaging remarks about people or kind of that back to that whole idea of the corporate world. And if you're that kind of person, you're a VP or C-level or executive or whatever. I had assumptions ever since I was a little kid growing up back in Maine when I was I would see businesses. And I would assume that you had Joe Worker on the uh, the assembly line or Jane Packager um, at the end of a conveyor belt packaging stuff, that there was an expectation that there was a linear relationship between smarts, skills, and ability that go linear, bottom left of a graph up to the upper right, from the jobber at the bottom to the CEO in the upper right-hand corner. There was a linear relationship there with skills, ability, intelligence, and otherwise. And boy, I was not right there. I came to find that the higher up you go, the, the folks that were in those roles really were disconnected from what actually was happening in the business. There was a fundamental lack of understanding of what actually needed to be done with that business. There was real no good communication with or lack of understanding or empathy with folks that were in the field doing the work. It was, yes, but that's not how business works kind of conversations. You don't know. There were people on the board of directors for this company. There was a smallish manufacturer on the board of directors that had never worked a job in their life. They were trust fund kids that they managed their parents' money. And they were sitting on the board and were really well-versed, they felt, in how to run this business and what needs to happen in the field. And I shook my head thinking, that is insane. And some of the decisions that were made were nuts. And I remember seeing that process from the sales guy role and hearing things come down back when I was just the sales guy, all the way up to sitting in these board meetings with the board of directors and having that conversation and sitting there shaking my head thinking, man, that is disconnected. That's crazy. So I had that going on. Plus, I remember a few times, uh, too many times, where I needed to be present for a, I needed to be present for a meeting. I needed to just go out to attend this meeting. Couldn't do it via Skype. Apparently couldn't do it via a uh, go-to webinar, which I use all the time now, which makes perfect sense. I'm just listening in and offering my advice. Shoot, I'd even do a video call on Skype. No, I had to fly out that time and money, leave my family, early Monday morning meeting. So I'd leave my family on a Sunday, miss my weekend time on a Sunday, the, 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 the little bit of free time that I had, Sunday afternoon, I'd miss that to be there for a Monday morning meeting that was... I would best describe the meeting as nothing but mental masturbation. It went nowhere. The, the, the what on earth are we doing this for? So that was the moment that I really said, I get it. I sort of reached, I can continue on this path and I can be the vice president and the senior vice president. And I can be the president of whatever business I want to do because I know I've figured this thing out and I don't need that book learning or I don't need that, that degree. 
But do I really want to do that? And do I want to put my time in and leave on Sunday afternoon to go to some godforsaken meeting to make a board of directors exponentially more money, to make the owner of that business much more wealthy? I didn't. I was tired of it. And I wanted to change. And I said, I'm done. I was a good corporate dude. I did it well. I served my companies well that I worked for. I enjoyed it. And it probably was a little bit more secure. But in reality, when I reflected on that, now that I look back, I say, gosh, I also know that at any moment, someone could get ticked off and, well, we got to nudge him out of the company. It's not as secure. That job, that salary was not as secure as you think. And the idea of, for those that have heard the expression, the idea of golden handcuffs, the challenge most of us face when we get to roles like that, in a role like that is we have lifestyle creep and we get the bigger house. And we drive a BMW. The corporate fleet of cars was a BMW. So we don't want to drive a BMW and then have our wife driving around some hoopty of a car. We've got to get her a nice car too, right? We gotta have a nice, we gotta have a nice car. And well, on the company vacation, I went to the force, the uh, the the um, Ritz Carlton in Jamaica. So I don't want to just stay at a Hampton Inn. I want to stay at a not my my family vacation. We're going to stay on property at Disney, and well, that's that's a ten thousand dollars spend, but that's okay because I have a six figure salary. Those golden handcuffs, that lifestyle creep, gets us into a position where, oh my gosh, I I can't do a change. I can't make a change. I can't do what I wanted to do. I implore you to make the change. I implore you to avoid that. So if my story resonates with you, if it makes sense, if you've heard it before, or if you're sitting there early on in your career going, I don't want to face that. Or if you later on in your career going, been there and done that, dude, you know what I'm talking about. And the hope is with this podcast, with the community we built with Ecom Elite, we hear this all the time. But wherever we go with this conversation dialogue, and if you just listen to us at the podcast level, fine. We want to inspire you. I want to inspire and motivate you to do what you want to do. Do what you want to do on your time. Do what you want to do on your time, when you want to, where you want to. And it's never too late to make that change. Do you have to scrimp and save a little bit? Do you have to cut your lifestyle a little bit? Do you have to make some changes? You do. But in the end, it is much, much more worth it than you think. Take it from a guy who's gone from both sides. Take it from a guy who's gone lifestyle-wise from pretty middle to lower middle class to doing pretty well for myself. It's always better on doing pretty good for yourself. So I challenge you to take those steps. I'll help walk you through it. I'll continue to walk you through my process, the what's, how's, and why's. I did what I did. And uh, hopefully it'll get you to, to where you want to go. So we'll talk to you guys in the next episode.